Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. On this Tuesday, the second morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a very important show lined up for you today. More so than other days. Why, you may ask? You might say, ah, you say it's important. It is important every day. I wouldn't do stuff on the radio that I didn't think was important. I wouldn't occupy your time and mine if I didn't know that what I was doing was important. But some days are more important than others. I believe that. Uh, And this is one of them because today is an election day. It's an election day that not too many people know about. It's an election day that shouldn't have to be here. It's an election day that was forced upon us by a ridiculously uh, slanted Ohio Supreme Court, whose Chief Justice, Maureen O'Connor, is essentially a Republican in name only. She acts in, 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 co- in concert and in coordination and in collaboration and in collusion with the Democrats uh, who, were, who are on that, uh, on that court. And she refused to accept yes for an answer each and every time the um, redistricting commission brought new map lines to her. Um, and it was just ridiculous. 
And that forced us to not be able to have all of the races we wanted to in May. We had to split them now and have a separate primary day in August. Well, that day is today. So not many people know about it because it was so butchered, so screwed up, so badly. But it's here. I got a text message. I beg your pardon. I got a uh, an email this morning from a listener who said, Bob, I don't know what to do. He said, hey, let me see if we can pull it up in words rather than just trying to paraphrase it because I thought it was important. You know, and, I, and the reason I want to do this is because I promise you there are a whole lot of other people out there right now thinking the same thing. They're thinking the same thing whether or not they have uh, done anything about it or reached out to somebody like me or not. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I really want to try to pull this up. Maybe I can find it in my in my sent mail. But the listener basically said, help. Uh, I want to vote. I plan on going at, I want to. I think he said 8 o'clock, so he was already there this morning. Here it is. I found it. Jay. Oh, he's going at 1 today, so he's got time. Anyway, he just said, Bob, I need to print who to vote for, but your site is not clear, nor do I know what district we are in. I know I should know, but trying to pay attention. Help. Going at 1 tomorrow. Now, Ordinarily, I would just say, hey, you know what, good luck. You know, I'm sure you can find that stuff on the Secretary of State's website. You can find out what your district is, and you can, you know, look uh, look at some other place. I, I didn't want to do that because what did I say to you yesterday? In two separate conversations with Tom Zawistowski and with Shannon Burns, every single voter in this particular primary for the Ohio Senate seats, the Ohio House seats, and the state central committee races, every single vote matters because these, these elections are going to be almost guaranteed to be you know won by by totals in the hundreds not in the thousands the margin of victory will be in the hundreds or in the dozens maybe not in the thousands so every single vote matters right we talked about this at length yesterday so because of that i went ahead and responded to jay and you know what i sent him i sent him two links the first link i sent him was to uh, Tom Zawistowski's page, the Ohio Citizens org. That's Ohio Citizens org. That's where you find Tom Z's list of endorsed candidates for the Ohio State House, for the Ohio Senate, and for the state central committee races. Now, as he pointed out to me yesterday, what makes this particular list important, and I respect the heck out of Shannon Burns who put his own list together, and it doesn't match up exactly right with Tom's. And I have Shannon's listed on my website, too. But what I like about Tom's, and I talked about this with Shannon, is that his uh, list, his list of endorsements, is kind of a compilation of the most conservative groups that he trusts in Ohio. And there are around eight of them. He said, if you take into consideration the endorsements made by each of these groups and then the ones that had multiple endorsements or the most endorsements, if there was a tiebreaker, that's what he went with. So I trust this list as much as I trust anything. I do. I trust Shannon's, too. But like I said, if there's a bit of a disagreement on any of the ones in the districts you know, that Shannon put out there and the ones that Tom did, I think the kind of compilation of opinions from the number of conservative groups Tom you know, reached out to I think that is is a good tiebreaker. So what I sent to Jay was, uh, and Jay, if you're listening, I won't say your last name, but Jay, if you're listening, and I hope you are, um, I sent it to you. Check your email. I sent you a link to Tom's list of endorsed candidates at ohiocitizenspack.org. Then I sent you a link directly to the uh, 
uh, to the um, Secretary of State's page. It's called Find My District. And I want everybody to be aware of that as well. FindMyDistrict.OhioSOS.gov. Now, that's a mouthful, I know. FindMyDistrict.OhioSOS, which stands for Secretary of State, .gov. And when you go to that page, you're going to see a list. You have uh, four tabs that go across uh, the screen. The green tab is House Districts, then there's a purplish tab that says Senate Districts, then an orangish tab that says Congressional Districts, and then a bluish tab that says School Districts. So obviously, look and see which one you want. Now, if you are wondering about your state central committee race, that is done by Senate District. So click on the Senate District tab, and then it'll ask you to put in your address, and then you, very simply, uh, uh, it'll tell you what district you're in. It's, it's really, really simple. So enter an address. And you'll find out what Senate district you're in, you'll find out what House district you're in, and you'll know, then you will go to the list of endorsed candidates, and you'll know for good, strong recommendations for whom to vote. How's that sound? I sent those two links directly to Jay because he was uh, desperate enough to email me. And I'm not going to send them to everybody because I won't have the time to do that. So I'm telling you right now, the two things that I would be sending you, you can go ahead and do it it yourself. Go to uh, Find My District, if you don't know what district you're in, for the State Central Committee race, the Senate races, the House races. You can check all those things there. And then go to, if you're looking for recommendations on who to vote for, if you want Ohio transparency in the Republican Party, if you want to get rid of the corrupt leadership of the Ohio Republican Party, the ones that enabled and supported Mike DeWine for re-election as the Ohio Republican uh, nominee for governor, despite his devastating decisions and the and the trauma that it caused so many millions of Ohioans. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not down with that. I'm not for that. And I want to get rid of that. And that means I want to get rid of people like Paduchik. I want to get rid of the treasurer who won't call for an audit for 16, not that he's been there for all 16 years, but he's the uh, the treasurer right now, and he's playing, you know, his fealty and loyalty, talking about David Johnson's support for Bob Paduchik, uh, has forced him to make some terrible decisions. I want him out. I want Rick Barron in that seat. I want him in that slot in the uh, state central committee, and, uh, and, you know, whoever the next treasurer is going to be, I just want to be better and more uh, honest with the people. So anyway, I'm going to send you those links. That's what I would send you, rather. So I'm just telling you right now, go to findmydistrict.ohiosos.gov and then go to ohiocitizenspack.org and you will, uh, I think, be, be set for the election today. Every single vote matters, and that's why I'm spending so much time on this because the state of Ohio has... You know, here's... Let me let me just hit this real quick. I know we got to do our Pledge of Allegiance, but bear with me for a second. What makes Ohio such a frustrating state is, you know, we are as red and center-right conservative as any state in the country, almost, almost. Even though we have gone blue at certain times, you know, in, in electing people like Ted Strickland, um, it is a very strong red state. Just look at the numbers in the Ohio State House. Look at the numbers in the Ohio Senate. It's veto-proof majorities for Republicans all the way through. But as Tom Z told us yesterday, the problem is we see the R because we're a red state, and we just go check, and we and we we you know vote for the the Republican. But we have bad Republicans in those seats, and the frustrating thing about Ohio is it has the capacity 
to be as dominant as Texas, as Florida is becoming, as Oklahoma, as some of the reddest of the red states in America. And by reddest, I don't mean politically partisan. I mean constitutionally grounded, grounded in the fundamental tenets of this nation from its birth through its present day. And that's the difference between Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and leftists, capitalists and socialists or communists. We believe in what this country was founded on, and we fight very, very hard um, you know, to, to, to stay loyal and true to those, to, a, to be a place where the government doesn't run what the people do, doesn't regulate what they can do, what they can sell, what they can buy. The government is there to serve the people, and the people tell the government, no, this is what we want done. We're sending you there to Columbus, Ohio, or to Washington, D.C., to do it. You do what we say. And if we got the right Republicans, which we have a chance to do today, we can take a feckless and weak and ineffective Ohio General Assembly and turn it into something phenomenal for the growth of the state, for the growth of the movement, back toward constitutional principles, toward medical autonomy, health freedom, getting rid of divisive concepts that are only intended to tear us apart in our schools and in our corporations. Return, return this, this state to what this country once was, which is a meritocracy where you don't get judged by your skin color or your, your sex. And there are only two, in case you didn't realize that, right? You, you understand there's only two of those. Um, Return normalcy to the state of Ohio, and there is a chance to do it today with these races in the state house. It's going to be a very low turnout, which means there are very few forces pushing back against us. If we can unite our efforts and get you to the polls today and vote for the people that are on that list that I sh- uh, that I just pointed out at OhioCitizensPack.org, we can change not only the Ohio, the Ohio Republican Party, but the Ohio General Assembly and turn it from a Republican-dominated body to a conservative-dominated body, which is different. It just is. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk at 935 with Jack Windsor, the founder and the executive editor of the Ohio Press Network. At 1010, we're going to talk to Peter Kersenow. Not a full hour of Kersenow today. He's on the job in Denver so Pete will join us at about 10.10 to about 10.30. Then at 11.10, we're going to talk about a very important Young Republicans um, uh, uh, event that is coming up. We're going to talk to Peter Kraftsick representing that, too. So we've got three great guests. We've got a lot of time for your phone calls. We're going to talk about these races. And if you've got questions, I want to hear from you, seriously. I don't want to spend the entire show looking up your district for you. Like I said, find it at findmydistrict.ohiosos.gov. That's my gift to you. But seriously, if you can't find it, if you don't have a computer, I mean, tell me where you live and I'll see if I can hook you up. All right? We'll do everything we can to make sure we get everybody out there. On this radio program, my friends, we don't just talk the talk. We walk the walk. When we talk about the importance of this election, we talk about how terribly mismanaged it was in the state of Ohio because of this, the Supreme Court. We didn't say, well, this is going to stink. We're only going to have a few people voting in, in August. We could just you know, pout, or we could say, well, then let's take advantage of August. And this is a chance to take advantage of August. 
I think there are going to be more of us out there than there are the corrupt supporters of the status quo rhinos in Camp Paduchik and beyond. I do. I believe that. Let's go out there and prove it. And that's the reason I'm starting my show with this today, and it's going to be a big theme throughout the show. All right, now having said that, I do need to say our pledge before we uh, take our first break. It's 922, so patriots, please rise. Stand and face your flag if you have one. If you do not, it is okay, but imagine one. Put your hand on your heart. If you're driving, you just do the hand part. You don't have to try to stand. It's hard to keep your foot on the gas or the brake if you're standing in the car. But go ahead and uh, join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in Bidenomics and that an 80-cent tax, or excuse me, gas uh, uh, decrease over the course of the last month is a reason for celebration, the way they did yesterday with Karine Jean-Pierre, you have no earthly idea what you're doing anyway. You don't have to try to pretend you understand liberty or what the flag represents, so you are exempted. You may go ahead and take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-soccer star and your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Got a lot of work to do today. Join us at 216-901-0945. Right back. Okay, 926. So quick follow what I was talking about before the pledge there. If you ever wondered what desperation sounds like, you know, being desperate for a win in what has been a year and a half full of losses, this is what desperation sounds like. As Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for the president of the United States, she's black and gay. Did you, did I mention that? She's black and she's gay. That makes her historic. That means she broke glass ceilings. It was the most important thing they told us about her hiring. She's black and she's gay. And she's also awful at this job. She, in her desperation to try to create the appearance of a win for the Brandon administration, tried to tell us the following. Well, uh, an update on where we are currently uh, with gas prices. Uh, we have now been falling for almost seven straight weeks. Uh, as of this morning, gas prices have dropped 81 cents per gallon since their peak in June, as you'll see from the chart uh, t- to my left here. She's got, she, she made a <clears throat> she made a line graph that shows a line going from up over five dollars a gallon down to four dollars and twenty five cents a gallon or whatever it is now that the national average is. Big old headline on the chart. It says gas prices are down eighty one cents, and I cannot help but ask myself and wonder. Where was that chart when it was going from $2 a gallon under Donald Trump to over $5 a gallon under your boss? I didn't see that chart, Corrine Jean-Pierre. I didn't see that. How come I didn't see that? Anyway, continue, please. Uh, that means American families who, who with two cars are saving $80 a month. A dr- They made people with two cars pay hundreds of dollars a month more than they were paying when Biden took office and now are bragging that they're seeing a savings of $80 a month. Can you can you do us a little favor here, 
Corinne Jean Pierre? Can can you can you can you give us the net there? The net increase in gas prices to now the small dip in gas prices. What's the net from the time your boss took office? Is it saving Americans eighty dollars, or has it hurt Americans with two cars to the tune of hundreds of dollars per month? Why aren't you giving us that half? But please continue. Drivers can now find gas for three ninety nine dollars uh, or less uh, at around half of all gas stations across the country. And are you saying that with a note of enthusiasm in your voice? You just said that as if you were bragging. Drivers can now get gas for an average of $3.99 or less in, in roughly half of all the gas stations in the country. First of all, that's half. What about the ones that are still 6 bucks a gallon in California? Number one. Number two, why are you saying three ninety nine as if three ninety nine is some kind of a bargain? It's still $2 more than it was when Trump was president. I, mean, I know you think we're dumb. But do not put us in the blithering idiot category, one that you should be very familiar with because you reside within it. Average gasoline prices have come below three ninety nine in 19 states. How many states are there in the country, Corrine? What about the other 31? What about the other 31? You're bragging about three ninety nine and saying that, the, that that's the average in 19 states. Putin's war is still putting pressure on global oil supply, but President Biden is taking historic action to mitigate its impacts. That's the first time you mentioned Putin in the entire clip. Where is the phrase we need to hear? You told us for the last six months, Putin's price hike, Putin's price hike, Putin's price hike. When are you going to say the words Putin price drop? It's the Putin price drop. Putin dropped the prices for us. How does Putin get the blame for the increase and your boss get the the credit for the decrease? And secondly, what are these historic actions that you are, your dementia-addled old uh, nursing home patient is taking to get this 80 cents lower? What, What historic action did he take? He released valuable strategic petroleum reserves that were supposed to be saved for this country in the event of a war or other type of emergency. He released saved-up oil. He didn't find a way to solve our energy problems. That's like saying, you know, I've got a budget crisis here at home. I think I'm going to dip into the 401k. I'm going to take money that I had saved for the future, and I'm going to spend it now. What a great job I've done of managing our, our household budget. That's literally all he has done. But keep up the great work there, Corrine Jean-Pierre. I'm glad you shattered those glass ceilings. You're doing your gayness and your blackness a wonderful, wonderful service. It's just I wish you would do the country a little bit of a service. I'll be back. Okay, 939 now. We continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer online at alwayswrite.us. Did not mention 
The announcement made last night by uh, Joe Brandon about the death of uh, Ayman al-Zawahiri, the leader of al-Qaeda in the absence of Osama bin Laden for the last 11 years. Uh, Don't think that I'm not happy about it. Anytime we kill killers, that makes me happy. That puts me in a good mood. That's a good thing. Will I say kudos to the American intelligence uh, community? Yes, I will. Will I say give kudos to the American um, counterterrorism organization? Yes, I will. Will I give kudos to Joe Brandon for saying if you find him, go ahead and kill him? No. This is not a victory lap time or a spiking the football time for Joe Brandon. Joe Brandon needs to answer the question, why is suddenly al-Qaeda reappearing in Afghanistan, emerging from shadows where they had been hiding for the last 20 years? Why are they suddenly having free reign in Afghanistan again? Why is al-Qaeda, al-Qaeda's leader, so easily found now? And the answer to that question is, because you botched the entire Afghanistan troop withdrawal. The Taliban is in full control of that country now, and your, your legacy, Joe Brandon, will not be that you got to kill or got to order the drone strike that killed al-Zawahiri. That will not be your Afghanistan legacy. Your Afghanistan legacy will be Americans and Afghanis left behind, hundreds of them, Americans and Afghanis who were loyal to the American cause against the Taliban. You left them to their deaths, to to their capture, or to hiding for their lives. For Lord knows how long that will even last. Your legacy will be people clinging to an American cargo plane filled with people begging for one more spot to be squeezed on it so they're not left to die at the hands of the Taliban as the plane takes off and drops them from the ground, or to the ground, rather. That's your legacy. Your legacy will be the extraor- the death of 13 American service members in that botched withdrawal. Because your dumb A decided to take the troops out first, then somehow find a way to get the, uh, the civilians out. Oh, and all of that military equipment. None of which, of course, was possible. So, no, that's your Afghanistan legacy. Stop trying to take a victory lap here that you think might carry a little weight in November when you get your living teeth kicked in by the American people in the midterm elections. All right, let's bring in Jack Windsor now. Jack Windsor is the uh, founder and editor-in-chief of the uh, terrific online news publication, the Ohio Press Network. Jack, good to have you back, my friend. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's always an honor to be here with you and the uh, 1420 family. Yes, sir. So, you know, since since I just brought it up, uh, talking about the midterm elections and what I believe, mm-hmm. you know, Biden Biden is trying to do here, and I don't, I don't even know what to trust anymore, to be honest with you. That suddenly they they get this massive international win by killing uh, the one of the one of the plotters and one of the masterminds of 9/11 three months before uh, they're about to get uh, the living daylights kicked out of him in the midterm elections. I don't even know if I, what to believe. But but taking it at face value, they're certainly going to try to make some hay in the midterm elections. And that is also why they came up with and somehow twisted the arm or Lord only knows how they can coerce Joe Man- Manchin, who was steadfastly opposed to the broke back better or build back broker, depending on how you want to say it, Bill, to suddenly accept this slimmed down version of it. And then they named it the Inflation Reduction Act. 
Um, you know, and again, for one reason, one reason only. It's not going to reduce inflation, I don't believe, and I'll let you speak to that, but, but it sure looks good and it sounds good. And when they run for all of these candidates in the, in the midterm elections, it's, hey, look what we did. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act. As if that means anything more than the American Recovery Act. None of those things mean anything if they don't do what their titles say. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, the Republicans Mm. had the CHIPS Act, I think, in their back pocket. And when, so that was was the precursor to all of this, right? So there was this Mm. belief, maybe it was, you know, spit in the handshake and and here we go. Um, You know, you're not going to bring the... Green New Deal back up, and we're going to pass this piece of legislation. So as soon as the CHIPS Act passed, which, by the way, uh, that passed 222 to, I think, 212, um, there were some Ohio Republicans who voted for it. Um, and actually, the list of people who didn't is actually shorter. So you have, uh, let's see, Congressman Warren Davidson, uh, Lada, um, Jim Jordan, and it might have been Congressman Brad Winstrup. Those folks said, no, 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 we're good. We're not going to do the uh, the CHIPS Act because it kind of looks like corporate welfare. There's a better, more efficient way to get this done. Nonetheless, once that passed, their bargaining chip was gone. gone and then here comes, here comes Joe Manchin. And apparently he and Chuck Schumer had some conversations. Um, and they've got this, uh, you know, you can call it this slimmed down version of the Green New Deal. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, oftentimes, I think you and I have talked about this off the air, Democrats will call something what it isn't, and they are 100% certain that the um, their pals in the mainstream press will pick up whatever the title of that piece of legislation is, and, and you know, they'll trumpet it across headlines. And then, uh, you know, people who don't pay attention will go, well, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. We want the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Well, here's the problem. Inflation is uh, at a, what, 40, 41-year high? Yep. Uh, small business confidence is at a 48-year low, and we just approved uh, over $200 billion, with a B, uh, in spending for semiconductors. And by the way, only 10 of that went to semiconductors. Uh, the other, or 19%, the other 81% uh, went to science. And keep in mind, uh, the people who wrote this bill, um, they haven't gotten science right for two years and they can't even <laughs> define what a woman is, but I digress. Um, so now, now Manchin says, Hey, you know, we've got this slim down version. It's about $740 billion, 370 billion for climate and energy programs, uh, 300 billion to reduce the federal deficit. And, you know, then the question is, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, here you go. Um, in addition to spending more money, which by the way, it's really simple. You have inflation because you have more money chasing limited goods and services. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out whether it's gas or any any other thing that you've tried to pluck from the supply chain. Uh, supplies are down, money is up, inflation's high. So we're going to go ahead and put $740 billion uh, back into, uh, you know, the pot. $313 billion, by the way, we're going we're gonna to fund that with a 15% corporate tax. Now think about that. When we were in this situation, I think, late 70s, early 80s, um, the Federal Reserve got super aggressive on the money supply. And what did we do? We eliminated taxes. We cut red tape. We gave businesses breathing room. We're not doing that now. We're going we're gonna to strap you with more tax. Uh, $288 billion, they say, is going to come from uh, Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices. And this is the thing that scares the hell out of me more than anything in either bill, Bob. 
$124 billion from stepped-up IRS enforcement. You have people who can't afford the necessities, and oh, guess what? Now we're going to try to bleed a turnip. We're coming after you for every single penny that you owe this big, beautiful, glorious government, and we're going to get $124 billion extra dollars out of Americans. That scares the hell out of me. And um, <clears throat> nobody's talking about it. That element of that bill, nobody is mentioning. You're, you, you mentioned it before. <clears throat> um, everybody likes these titles. They'll title them things that uh, you know that sound good, like the Inflation Reduction Act and so forth. Uh, but then their pals in the media will 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 certainly you know do their best to paint it that way, and they will not foretell them the truth. I guarantee you, less than three percent of Americans, if you ask them what's in that bill, will tell you that uh, they know that um, uh, there is a massive reinforcement of uh, of uh, personnel and new hiring for the IRS. Like you said, to go after everybody who has missed a nickel, didn't dot the right I, cross the right T, or put the decimal point in the right place on a, on a tax return six years ago, and they're going to fine-tooth comb everybody, as you say, to bleed the turnips. That is something nobody knows about, and that is that that is that is as aggravating as anything there. Um, well, and. Bob, real quick, yeah. we don't, we're not, we're not making stuff up. You don't have to look back very, uh, very far. It was during the Biden administration. There was actually a woman in Ohio, um, and through Jim Jordan, it was brought to light. We found out that you know the IRS, kind of like um, the intelligence community right now, was weaponized to punish conservatives. And so there was a, there was a pretty big ordeal not too many years ago where they found out you know what. The IRS is picking on people of a certain political. Persuasion. Well, this was this Don't this is going back to Obama. Again. This goes back to Obama. You know, uh, he was of course Biden's boss in all of this. You know, the lowest learner uh, of a fiasco. Uh, they found out that the IRS was intentionally targeting conservative groups or groups with the name Nine Twelve or T or Tea Party or whatever. And it this goes all the way back to 2010. Anybody that was applying for tax exempt status uh, got scrutinized uh, to the to the hilt for uh, you know for their for their applications or their applications got pushed back by but to the tune of years so that they could never actually get it heard. Uh, there were so many different things. Things that have been done with the IRS by Democrat presidents, Democrat administrations, all specifically to target uh, conservatives. And hell, as long as we're on it, uh, uh, Jack Windsor, you know they 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 did the same did the same thing and are continuing to do the same thing with the FBI, sending oh my gosh yeah. sending sending blue windbreakers to people's houses if they say the wrong thing at the wrong school board meeting. How dare you come in there and challenge the brilliance of the National Educators Association, the teachers' unions, uh, and the uh, and the school board members that give them their carte blanche to do what they do. In all seriousness, they continue to challenge and come after people for speech. They come after people for uh, saying things that they don't like in the wrong forums. Um, and so, yeah, this is called the weaponization of the federal government against the people that are supposed to be in charge of the federal government. Um, it's, it's extraordinarily uh, frustrating and, quite frankly, infuriating. Uh, let's move on and talk about a couple of other things. Um, the U.S. Because I keep talking about the midterms, the U.S. Postal Service has made an announcement on mail-in balloting ahead of midterm elections. They made an announcement to tell everybody in America that they can feel secure, that if there comes a point in which we have to have universal mail-in balloting because of whatever new variant emerges uh, in November, that they will be ready. They're bragging about the number of days and the number of uh, the amount of time and the percentages of uh, ballots that would be dropped into a box to the to the point of delivery to the precincts and so on and so forth. And you don't have to worry about us. We are ready for this. 
I don't know about you, Jack, but I haven't heard anybody ask. Nobody asked. And yet here they are saying, we're ready. Um, that's a bad sign to me. What about you? Yeah, it's a terrifying sign, and, and it's a frustrating sign. I'll tell you why it's frustrating. I don't care if you believe Donald Trump. I don't care if you don't believe Donald Trump. Uh, I don't care if you think mail-in balloting is good. I don't care if you think mail-in balloting is bad. Here's, here's the reality. Uh, there is video footage of people uh, using mail-in ballots in places throughout this country during the 2020 election. They're using them illegally. They're stuffing ballot boxes. End of story. So if you're really about election integrity, which, by the way, part of election integrity is helping build voter confidence that if they actually show up to the polls or if they mail in their ballot, it's going to get cast appropriately. And the number of people who uh, get their votes counted is equal to the number of people who are registered to vote. That's really simple. Uh, those are facts. Fix it, right? I don't understand why we're really so focused on mail-in ballots. You would think that the population in this country is ignorant, disabled, unable to get to a ballot box. Um, and, and, you know, of course, that's what the liberal media will trumpet. But if, if people really care about election integrity, make people show up, make them have a valid ID before they can vote. Because you know what? I, I guarantee you some federal or state agency would be happy to go into a bar and, and uh, shut down a business if somebody served alcohol illegally or somebody allows you to purchase alcohol without an ID. Can't do that, but you can show up and, and not show up, and you can send in a ballot. You don't have to have an ID. Hell, you may not even have to have a signature on a ballot. So we've got to get real honest with ourselves. Uh, there is very little concern about voter integrity and, and making every vote count. The focus well, is that's... on not integrity and counting more votes than are available. I was about to say, you used the biggest word in the English language as you set that commentary up, and you said, if they care about, if is the biggest word, if they care about election integrity, they'll do this, 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 and this. And the answer is, of course, they do not. They do not. And they've made that very, very clear. Election integrity is not their concern. What they want is as many wide opportunities as possible, or as wide a variety of opportunities as possible to commit voter fraud, to rig elections. And you're right. Uh, there's, there's an entire movie. Uh, that shows the number of, uh, uh, or at least just a fraction, really, of the number of, uh, of uh, mail-in ballots that were that were delivered, that were dropped off by the same individuals. Uh, everybody who has seen 2,000 Mules knows, ex- knows exactly what we're talking about. And by the way, that postal service, um, this is the uh, this is the gist of it. They have created a new division. This is how they prep for it. There's a new division. The new election and government mail services division will, quote, handle election mail issues as part of an effort to ensure swift and secure delivery of ballots for the 2022 midterm elections. Now, we're not talking. They wouldn't have to create a whole new division, Jack Windsor, just for people who are using the absentee ballot uh, process, which has been around forever. They wouldn't need a whole new division for that. The only reason you would need a division in the United States Postal Service is if they know something that the rest of us haven't been told, and that that is they're going to declare universal mail-in balloting, non-requested ballots being delivered to just everybody and anybody who has ever been on a voter roll, whether they're alive or dead, the same way they did in November of 2020, and the post office is saying we're ready for it. We look like a third world country, Bob. It's it's really unbelievable. And look, how many times have we heard, "Hey, this was the big lie," and what this is doing is it's it's ruining our democracy. 
okay, well, I can tell you the biggest beef that people have is mail-in balloting, right? Well, if you – politics is really about compromise, right, good public policy. If the big lie is based on mail-in balloting, fix it. Don't allow it, right? I mean, that's, that's real simple. It's crazy to me that we are this far down the road. And uh, there's a, a bulk of Americans who still go, yeah, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah, I can, I, I, I concur. Uh, Jack Windsor, it's uh, 9.56, so this is the last question. Did you vote yet, or are you going today? Uh, say that again? Did you vote yet, or are you going today? Uh, I'm definitely going today. Um, we have, <clears throat> uh, I have a very important, the biggest vote that I'm going to cast today is for my state central committee members. That is the biggest vote uh, of today. We have, you know, state house um candidates on for the senate in the house but uh the state state central committee vote is the biggest one i'll cast today i cannot dispute that at all jack windsor founder of the ohio press network jack always a pleasure thank you my friend we'll talk soon thanks bob it's nine fifty six. now we'll take a time out here and in fact we'll take you to the newscast on the other side of the news you're going to want to be here because that's when you're going to hear the voice of peter kersenow he'll join us next on always right radio Last, terms and conditions apply. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, seven minutes past ten o'clock. On a Tuesday, the second morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Peter Kersenow joins us now. we got to get in early with Pete here because we've only got Pete for a limited time today. If you are uh, tuning in for the full Kersenow experience, you're going to have to settle for halftime. Uh, Pete is going to be with us until 1030. And Pete, uh, first of all, I know you're out of state working, doing the day job, so thank you for coming in for just a few minutes today. I appreciate the effort, sir. Um Second of all, we've got breaking news literally as we speak, and we're going to try to monitor this as we can. Gateway Pundit reporting that uh, Nancy Pelosi is en route to Taiwan right now, expected to land very, very shortly. And in uh, response, again, this is a Gateway Gateway, uh, Pundit headline, China has moved carriers into place in the South China Sea. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if they think they're going to war with Nancy Pelosi's diplomatic plane, uh, but um, she's about to go, and uh, which you and I agreed last week she has to do now that they've, you know, they've made the announcement, and uh, China has said, "Don't you dare, or else you will perish in fire." Um, or those who play with fire shall perish. I think was the direct wording. We cannot just bow down and back down from uh, the CCP. But Peter Kersenow, to get you started this morning, your reaction to that news? Um, you know my. This is a serious situation. We shouldn't make light of it, and it's not really a political matter. This is, you know, something that could, even if this is mere posturing on the part of the Chinese, 
things like this can spiral out of control when little mistakes are made or inadvertent mishaps, and you never know what can happen. Uh, you know, you have to be careful whenever you have two superpowers, and China's now a superpower, no doubt about it, with nuclear missiles and the whole thing, and they've got a robust Navy and Army and Air Force. Uh, if a slight mistake is made, let's say a, a fighter pilot gets too close to a plane or something of that nature, or somebody, you know, has a, a itchy trigger, trigger finger, the littlest thing could, you know, set something off. The odds of that happening? Probably limited, thankfully. But uh, this was handled poorly from the beginning. Uh, no one seemed to know in the government what the other one was doing. The White House didn't know what Pelosi was doing. Pelosi apparently didn't give them sufficient advance notice so they could formulate a uh, coherent message, a unified uh, U.S. message, and now we have to remain to see. It remains to see what will happen. Maybe in the next hour or so. Um, personally, I think there's going to be a lot of saber rattling. I think maybe even you know China may impose some kind of sanction against the United States economically somehow. I don't think it's going to devolve beyond that. But uh, you know you have to be vigilant about these things. Yeah, you certainly do. Um, and Pete, just out of curiosity, what's the reason for this? Do you think? I mean, you know, she's she's under serious scrutiny for a number of reasons, not the least of which is, again, the sudden profiteering uh, as her husband makes just shrewd investment moves in in, uh, in the markets, um, you know, on the heels of uh, of Nancy Pelosi, you know, uh, gaining information. And again, I'm not making accusations, but questions are being asked about whether or not uh, they are they are profiting and benefiting from, quote unquote, insider trading or insider knowledge, if you will. Uh, you know, how do we get the attention off of that? How do we get the attention off of anything else that Nancy Pelosi is involved with? And I don't know. Let's go to let's go to Asia. Let's do an Asia trip. What is the purpose of this trip, and why is Taiwan included in it if they knew it was going to create this international crisis? Well, the ostensible purpose is you know goodwill among trading partners and uh, expansion of our relationships in the southeast, the South China Sea. And you know, if um, let's give them. Some credit. Let's not necessarily expect that some type of a subterfuge. There are reasons why a Speaker of the House <clears throat> or any um, member of the administration or congressman go to that area of the world. We've got a lot of economic and strategic interests there that need to be developed and and uh, husband and sustained. Uh, but you know, let's face it: uh, we live in a very political world. It wouldn't surprise me that the time is you know. Mm-hmm. Pelosi, that is, distract people from increasing debacles at home. Um, it, you know, the the whole infrastructure and uh, build back better and uh, in, uh, inflation fighting, tax increase, all this stupidity that's going on, this may be a partial distraction from that and from the troubles Pelosi has personally. But look, there's a real reason that we should be invested in, should be doing a lot of work down there, because China has already expressed that they seek, they, I mean, they're forthright about this. They want to supplant us as the number one superpower. They just don't want to be equals. They don't just want to be a rival superpower. They want to be the superpower, and they're making extraordinary strides in that direction. <laughs> we have to make sure that we shore up um, you know, South Korea, Japan, <clears throat> everybody in the South China Sea that is our ally, because China's on the march, and uh, they don't have our best interests at heart. No, they don't. Uh, and when has communists? When have communists ever wanted to share power? By the way, uh, they don't. You're right. They want uh, yep. full full control and full power. There's no question about that. Um, Pete, let's move on again because we have you for a shorter period of time today. I want to talk about uh, the death of uh, 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 Ayman al Zawahiri. This is a big deal. 
Uh, it, it, it would be a big deal. I don't care who's in charge of the country. If we kill one of the masterminds or one of the co-plotters and uh, conspirators and so forth um, in uh, the 9-11 terror attacks, I celebrate. That is a great thing. And I give credit to the intelligence community. And I give credit to the counterterrorism community. I give credit to whoever is running the drone that struck and precision pinpoint killed him. And that's a great thing. I don't necessarily think this is a huge victory lap or touchdown spike moment for Joe Biden, though, um, because the legacy of Joe Biden in Afghanistan is not going to be that he was in charge when Zawahiri got killed. The legacy is going to be how many Americans are still left behind to deal with now what we know is not only the Taliban, but Al-Qaeda. The fact that Zawahiri is there and was found now after not having been seen in years and years and years means they are back and in, I don't want to say in control, but they are a presence and a force in Afghanistan. And Biden specifically and deliberately left hundreds of Americans and even more Afghan loyalists, or meaning American loyal, uh, loyalists who are Afghanis who are helping our cause there, uh, left them behind to hide and, and fight for their lives against the Taliban, and now we know al-Qaeda as well. Did we lose Pete? I think we lost Pete. Pete is in, um, yeah, Pete is in uh, Denver today for uh, for work, so he's on his cell, and obviously we're at the mercy of the cellular signal, so we'll do our best to get him back on as quickly as we can. Yeah, I know we'll get him. Uh, but uh, the story here, like I said, uh, with respect to Al Zawahiri, is yes, that is a good thing, and I'm celebrating his death. I am not going to sit here and proclaim that the the Brandon administration deserves some sort of special kudos for this. The fact that he is out was out more in the open now is a direct result of the Afghanistan policy that left the Taliban in charge uh, with Americans and Afghans who are loyal to the American cause behind. Uh, and now they got to deal with that as well. Pete is back with us now. Pete, I don't know where you cut off. I don't know when the phone dropped. So I don't know if you heard the question. Did you? I did not hear the question. I heard the intro question. Okay, yeah, the the the, the question is is about Zawahiri and about uh, the fa- you know the Biden Biden is spiking the football now because uh, you know they they killed Zawahiri, which is a great thing. Again, I'm glad that the 911 uh, one of the 911 plotters is dead. But what this says to me, the 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 real underlying point here is that not only are hundreds of Americans who were left behind and abandoned on direct command in the worst military pullout since Saigon, not only are they hiding from the Taliban, now we know they also have to be hiding from Al Qaeda because the fact that Zawahiri was able to be found after decades of not being uh, discovered uh, means that Al Qaeda is back in Afghanistan and they are out in the open and they are working and probably collaborating with the Taliban, making things even more dangerous for Americans that are left behind. Go ahead. Yeah, all, all of which we expected, and I think you and I had, had talked about this. We This is predictable. Uh, it's a good thing, no doubt about it. I heard that portion of your um, uh, presentation. No doubt about it. You get the number two guy at al-Qaeda. That's a great thing. But it's troubling that this guy was a guest, an open guest of the Taliban. This is one of the things that we were warning about because of the precipitous withdrawal. The Probably the, one of the greatest debacles of the last half century in terms of U.S. foreign policy. But they have a safe haven now, but not really a safe haven. We've spent 20 years there trying to eradicate al-Qaeda and any other terrorist group that threatened the United States and its interests. Thousands were sacrificed by a lot of brave men and women over there that accomplished their military objective. So unfortunately, we pulled out in that, that, that ridiculous pullout, and now what we have we were there for 20 years to eradicate al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is still there, but now armed with 80 
billion dollars of the most sophisticated weaponry on the face of the earth, thanks to Joe Biden and his ridiculous scamper from Afghanistan. We didn't do anything that we were supposed to do in just a typical pullout. And even if it was not a war zone, we didn't secure anything. This was a debacle on steroids. And, you know, I also, as an aside, semi facetiously would ask, where's the press calling al-Baghdadi an austere religious when al-Baghdadi, there was all kinds of, you know, groaning and hand-wringing the fact that this austere religious scholar was taken out. The head of ISIS was taken out. He was the number two guy on our hit list. But now with Zahiri, of course, the press is going to go around championing Joe Biden as next thing, or, or the, the second of, of Douglas MacArthur. Um, I don't want to rain on uh, Biden's parade right now. This is a good thing for America, but this was, you know, th- this is something that should trouble all of us because right now we know they have a safe haven and they mean to launch attacks from the safe haven on the United States' interests. Yeah, and you know, Pete, I'm going to tie these two stories together: uh, the the uh, Taiwan story and uh, uh, you know, Communist China, along with Afghanistan here, because. It just seems as though we are in a situation where we are being tested, we're being challenged, we're at least being, you know, um, I don't know, they're taking our temperature to see where we are militarily. The fact that they moved those uh, uh, carriers, aircraft carriers, into the South China Sea for for Pelosi. Uh, The fact that they also released a new military video touting their Chinese military might, by the way, online, all over the place in the last 48 hours. You can't not not see it. and, and now Afghanistan with, again, uh, proof that al-Qaeda is kind of back, reconstituting itself in Afghanistan, working with the Taliban and with all of those things. I, I have to ask this question. Is our military up to the task? If things go sideways in any of those endeavors with the Chinese, with uh, with the Afghanis, with al-Qaeda, is our military up to the task given um, you know, the troop levels, they're what? I think they're at 40% of recruiting goals for this year. Right. Nobody wants to join this military. Nobody wants to be a part of USA woke military uh, branches. And as a matter of fact, I saw a story literally last night that said the U.S. Army is now uh, starting a fat camp to try to whip fat recruits into shape. They didn't used to take them because they didn't need them. Now they got to take anybody who's willing to sign up, and they're saying we got to put you in fat camp to get you into a, into a decent enough condition to be able to handle boot camp and uh, and the rigors of being in the U.S. military. All things are have to do look at Milton Austin ask yourself, are these guys leaders of the greatest military on earth? Do they remind you not only just you know pull those two guys out, but uh, the wokeness that is endemic throughout the military now is used If you want to recruit people from the military, you don't do it by showing them you know Heather has two mommies. That's just going to get it done. The military is there to you know kill people and break things. We want mean SOBs in the military and not coddle them at all. But that's not the approach we have. And right now, we got, you know our expenditures with respect to the military are down. We have a lot of equipment that is in need of repair. We are not ready to fight a two-front war. Everyone knows that, uh, let alone fight a superpower. And this was predictable. You and I have had these discussions, but a lot of people have also. Once the weakness was on full and just remarkable display, after, among other things, the pullout from Afghanistan, but that was like one of the cultures, we had predicted, everybody had predicted, China, Iran, Russia would start to look for they'd start to engage in adventures. All the things that they were hoping to do 
a long time, but was thwarted because of the presence of a Trump or somebody who had at least had a little bit more smarts in the White House. Now they knew they were going to start making moves to acquire that which they wanted all along because they have a weak president, a befuddled president, and somebody of whom they can take advantage. And that is a dangerous proposition because at some point, they may, meaning our adversaries, may overcalculate or miscalculate, and then we may miscalculate in return. Next thing you know, just as we have right now with Pelosi going to uh, Taiwan, possibly, it looks like she may be landing shortly, there may be some kind of a mistake. Now, that mistake could occur even if you had somebody robust and, and smart in the White House, but it's more likely to occur when your adversary believes that you are weak, that you won't um, you know, push back, they will become more adventuresome. So we're in a precarious time right now. Uh, all the bad guys know that they have a window of opportunity. All the things that were on their to-do list or their goals for the next you know, decade or so, they need to get accomplished in the next two and a half years before this befuddled president leaves office, because then the window will close. Well, at least we think it will close. At this stage, I'm getting somewhat worried that the American, that too many Americans think that we have this gravy train that is ours forever and doesn't need to be robustly defended uh, at all costs and we may get another uh, airhead in office. I don't think so, uh, especially after the example of Biden, but um, we can't continue to go down this path. Even just for four years, it can be ruinous to a nation. We are talking with Peter Kersenow, who's live. He's a little bit broken up, uh, much more than usual. He's in... Uh... He's in Denver uh, doing some work uh, for his uh, law practice, his day job. He actually gets in the way of our conversations from time to time. Last question for you, Pete, because uh, I'm not sure how much longer your phone is going to hold out. I want to tie everything that we just talked about, I believe, to the midterms. Um, in fact, I'm not convinced that they haven't known where al-Zawahiri has been for a long time, but every two weeks the poll numbers drop even further for Joe Brandon. Literally every time there's a new poll, it is a new low. He's down into the 20s. Uh, when it comes to Hispanics, he's down into the and so on and so forth. The 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 party is in is in you know in in a death spiral, if you will, as as we move closer to these midterms. So I'm not convinced that Zawahiri wasn't trotted out now, uh, you know, and and uh, drone struck now because they need something here as we now get within a hundred days of the election. But having said all of that, uh, we are all counting on a Republican victory, a resounding victory in both of the uh, chambers of Congress. And then I get this story. The U.S. Postal Service has announced a new division, a new um, uh, uh, division that is specific to elections. They're going to be ready for universal mail-in balloting this November for the midterms with the creation of the Election and Government Mail Services Division, uh, something that will ensure swift and secure delivery of ballots for the 2022 midterm elections. Pete, I don't know about you, but nobody asked that I and I'm aware of. Nobody asked if we're going to have universal mail-in balloting, but the Postal Service is making an announcement that we're ready for it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to call it the latest variant of, of, of COVID or what it's going to be, but for some reason they are preparing for full-on universal mail-in balloting this November. Do you think it's coming? I do think they're going to make every effort to do that. That's the Democrats' objective, no doubt about it, because they look at the polls and all the metrics that you typically look at when you're trying to forecast what will happen in a midterm election. You take a look at all the models, and this looks like a debacle on steroids. And right now, it's unavoidable. They are going to lose big. And that's, you know, we always say that wait for the Republicans to screw it up, you know. 
And, of course, they'll screw it up in some fashion, but I even with screw-ups can't overcome the kind of wave we're going to see this time around. I have to look at all the metrics. I don't have the, the data in front of me, and next time we talk, maybe go through them. But it's extraordinary, and you've seen it. So the Democrats know that their policies are anathema to the average American. And you mentioned some of the metrics with respect to Hispanic voters. That's, that's the biggest um, uh, ebbing of support. It's just extraordinary what's happening there. They are driving, and guess what? Almost contemporaneously, we have Brandon talking about building the border wall again. Guess what? Because they've seen that what they expected to be a huge influx of Democrat voters may turn out to be Republican voters, just coincidentally. But nonetheless, they've got to do something because their policies aren't going to get them to vote. They have to do it mechanically in a way that they saw work for them in the last election. It doesn't necessarily have to even be any kind of overt fraud. It can be just simply the chaos that ensues, which they will take advantage of. Because let's, fra- let's face it, the Democrats have been more, much more energetic and shrewder about making sure that they have control over the, the election apparatus, making sure with you know, Zuckerbucks being thrown in hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. they are making sure that they control, you know, the whole thing about it's not, uh, you know, who votes but who counts the votes. They're going to make, make sure that they're the ones controlling the mechanism votes. Those need to be vigilant. And that includes ordinary citizens who are poll watchers and others, because there's no way Democrats can not avoid a bloodbath except if they manipulate the, the you know, and, and they can manipulate also, they can do it very, you know, in a lawful fashion, but we have to make sure that we have our poll workers out there, we have people that are out there making sure that the ballot integrity measures are, are in place. Don't allow Democrats, for example, to do things to shield election observers from actually watching the ballot count. All the things that we learned from 2000, from we can't take anything for granted because right now, I don't even think with massive cheating uh, or massive manipulation uh, that there's any hope for the Democrats retaining the House. They have a, a shot at retaining the Senate, but I think that's leaving them also. And, um, you know, it, it looks like a, a pleasant prospect for Republicans, but we've got to do the work. No question about it. Peter Kersenau, we will leave you there, my friend. I know you've got work to do of your own. Thank you for checking in with us from Denver. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Bob. You got it. That's Peter Kersenau. You know, for a lot of people, I might have dropped that interview with the interference and the static of the call, but every so often he was clear, and I think I would rather take half of clear Kersenau over full clear anybody else anyway. So hopefully you were able to get past the staticky parts and take a lot away from what Peter Kersenau had to say. I know I was. All right, it is uh, now 1027. We'll take a time out. We'll go to our newscast. We'll come back, and I'll have an opportunity to take phone calls for the first time today. We are, uh, we've got another guest coming up at 1110. We're going to talk to Peter Krafzik about a Young Republicans event. But uh, between now and then... If you've got questions about the election today, the primary election, if you don't know what district you're in, you don't know who to vote for for your district, for the Senate, for the House seats, for the State Central Committee, if you've got questions, I'll try to have the answers for you. Use the phone, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Always write radio on AM 1420, The Answer.
reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 1038 now as we continue on Always Right Radio AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. Welcome your phone calls, 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. we got time uh, for you now until the top of the hour. got an interview coming up then as we talk with uh, Peter Krafsik about a young Republicans event that we are going to support and promote. Uh, so we have plenty of opportunities for you to get in. We've covered a lot of ground already today, including I wanted to get Pete, but we, the time was short and his phone was breaking up, so I didn't get a chance to get Peter Kirstenau's comments on this. I played it for you in the first hour, but if you missed it. Uh, an update on where we are currently uh, with gas prices. Uh, we have now been falling for almost seven straight weeks. Uh, as of this morning, gas prices have dropped 81 cents per gallon since their peak in June, as you'll see from the chart uh, to my left here. Uh, that means American families who, who, with two cars are saving $80 a month. Uh, drivers can now find gas for $3.99 uh, or less uh, at around half of all gas stations across the country, and average gasoline prices have come below three ninety-nine in nineteen states. Holy goodness, we can buy that RV now. I mean, my, we can take that trip to Europe now. We can actually pay for the kids' college now. Gas is now four dollars a freaking gallon. They're celebrating four dollar a gallon gas. They're bragging and calling it a win that gas has come down 81 cents since their peak of over $5 in June. Never mind the fact that it is still mm, $2.5 higher than it was when you took over. Is anybody paying attention to this? They're bragging that the average American family with two cars is saving $80 a month. When do they get back the hundreds of dollars a month that they have lost since your price spike began on January 20th, 2021? Corrine Jean-Pierre? When do, when do Americans get that money back? You're talking about saving $80 a month compared to the 300 a month that they were increased. But I mean, literally, when your guy, your Brandon took office, Gas was at two thirty nine a gallon. For the bulk of the Trump presidency, it was around two bucks a gallon. But when you took office and on day one when he killed the pipeline, the fracking permits, the drilling permits, closed off Anwar, closed off the Gulf of Mexico, when he did that, immediately it began a hike in prices from two thirty nine to two seventy nine. From two seventy nine to three oh nine. And this went on long before one Russian boot scraped a piece of dirt of Ukrainian soil. Long before you started calling Putin price hike, Putin price hike. This was a thousand percent Biden price hike. I didn't see you saying then when gas went from two thirty nine to three oh nine, which is an eighty cent increase, I didn't hear you saying the average American uh, family with two cars is now going to have to pay more than $80 more a month for their gas. Why didn't you say that? And when it went up another 50 cents from there, why didn't you say the average American family with two cars is now going to be paying over $110 more a month? 
And when it went up to $4 a gallon, why didn't you say the average American family with two cars is going to end up paying more than $200 a month to fill their cars? Why didn't you say that when it got to 425? Why didn't you point it out when it got to 450? Why didn't you say when it got to 475? Why, Corrine Jean-Pierre, in all of your gayness and blackness, because that's all that matters, I've been told that, you're gay and you're black, that's why you got the job. So good for you. Congratulations. Happy for you. But why didn't you say anything when it was 475 about how much more Americans are paying for their two car uh, to fill up their two cars? When it was five dollars, when it was five oh five, when it was five ten, when it's still six fifty in California, why aren't you saying anything about how much more Americans are paying in gas per month? But now you wait for it to come down eighty cents and say, Yeah, the average American family is now saving eighty dollars a month. Look at the great job we've done. Your job is what brought us here. Your boss's horrific policies are what brought us here. And now, after months of saying it was Putin's fault, I guess that means it's time to give Putin credit, right? Putin dropped the, if he hiked the prices, Putin can drop the prices, right? Putin's war is still putting pressure on global oil supply, but what? How can that be? It went down 80 cents a gallon. President Biden is taking historic action to mitigate its impacts. (laughs) If he had historic actions hidden up his sleeve somewhere, why did he wait until July of 2022 to start using those historic actions? If he had historic actions available at his disposal to counter the Putin price hike that you just said he's doing now, why didn't he start doing that in May? Why didn't he start doing that in February? Why didn't he start doing that um, you know, right before Putin and his uh, Russians went into Ukraine? Why didn't he do that then? That's because he has no historic actions. All he's doing is dipping into the retirement fund. You understand that? You understand? I know you're a simpleton. And I'm glad if you want to be an idiot, you go full blithering. I always prefer my idiots to be full blithering. But Corrine Jean-Pierre, if that's what you're going to do, then dip into the retirement savings to to call that historic actions. If that's what you're going to do, you are holy. And I think we knew this from the start, unqualified for this job. But hey, don't forget, you broke a couple of glass ceilings with your blackness and your gayness. I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, I'm broke. Go get a job. Nah, I'll just spend my retirement savings. That's what Joe Biden did here with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He didn't do anything to help create energy. He didn't do anything to help lower the price. He didn't do anything to actually make a difference. All he did was dip into the retirement account. And you're calling it historic action. Pretty remarkable, to be honest with you. Uh, TJ is in Cleveland. TJ, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, sir. Go ahead. Oops, wrong button. Yeah. You know, Bob, Bob, this John Pierre, with what she was saying, makes me think of that thing I heard a while ago. Your doctor tells you you're dying of cancer. That's the bad news. But the good news is your cholesterol and your uh, blood pressure are down. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the same thing. But two points I want to make, Bob. First one, the, the, the left has gotten what they want, woke down our military. Now it's time for them to step up and start sending their kids to join the military and serve in the military and fight our wars. But I don't think we're going to see that happen. I don't either. I don't either. And yet, the other thing is a lot of these pundits and people on the right and stuff uh, were saying for the longest time, you know, Trump was full of crap. 
Uh, he had no proof the election was stolen from him. And now many of these people are saying, well, hey, you know, we got to watch so they don't steal this midterm election. <laughs> well, I mean, if there was no proof that it was stolen, then what are they worried about, right? Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But then again, they don't, uh, they don't think logically and they don't think reasonably. And if you think that their kids are going to the military to save this military, which, by the way, they ought to, because one would think, and thank you for the call, my friend, one would think that the child of a woke Democrat would be a woke kid, and a woke kid would feel perfectly at home in the trans military. Because that's what we have now. The United States doesn't have a regular military. It has a trans military. The trans agenda rules all, makes all of the decisions, trans and anti-racism and everything else. It's a woke military, which is why we will get the living daylights kicked out of us by the Chinese if we do end up crossing them and we do end up in a military conflict. And that is a sad, sad thing to have to admit, that the once most powerful military in the history of civilization is now so weak and so ineffectual. And they're proud. Look what we did. We got a drone strike and we killed Zawahiri. That has nothing to do with hand-to-hand combat. That has nothing to do with military preparedness, which was sacrificed a long time ago on the altar of wokeness. And now, like I said, now they're doing fat camp. Can you believe this? I, I literally saw this story yesterday. They're doing fat camp. The U.S. military is so desperate. Um, the uh, U.S. Army in particular, which is their recruiting goals are, are 60% off pace. They are only at 40% of goal for recruiting for new members of the Army in 2022. And now it's so bad that they're willing to take the kids, that they, the young people that they rejected uh, prior to this. Now they're actually creating a fat camp for overweight, out-of-shape um, young kids who are going to join the military. Uh, where's the story? The Army announced plans Tuesday to establish a prep course for potential recruits who fall below the Army's minimum academic requirements. <laughs> they're going to send the, the stupid fat kids to go fight for us. And exceed weight and body fat percentage caps amid a historic recruiting crisis created in response to a precipitous decline in the number of young recruits who meet the enlistment requirements. The 90-day Future Soldier Preparatory Course. I'm sorry. <laughs> actually named it that. They named it the Future Soldier Preparatory Course Pilot Program, but the headline says Fat Camp. (laughs) I love it. It'll help prospective service members lose weight and improve their academic performance. The Army said in a statement, only 23% of young Americans are eligible to enlist based on weight and educational metrics, according to the Army. Look, the reality is uh, most normal recruits don't want to go and be a part of the Rainbow Brigade where they have to wear a rainbow patch next to the American flag on their arm uh, of their camouflage jackets. They don't want it. They want nothing to do with it, and they're not going. And that's why you're so desperate. You'll take anybody who's willing, even the unqualified. John is in Chard next. Hi, John. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Instead of what's coming down with Pelosi on this trip, <clears throat> what what they should have done and says. Said, uh, okay, we thought about this. Pelosi's not not going because we want to protect Taiwan. We don't want to get them in trouble, and that way we come out being the good guys, and China's the bad guys. Well, China is the bad guy. Yeah, but but it needs to be publicized, and uh, so I mean now we're we're going over there, and uh, you know, you know. Well, well what's 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 they, I'm sorry, go ahead, John. Yeah. Go finish your thought. 
No, no, that's okay. You, okay. You go. Well, here's, yeah. here's, here's what I was going to say, and thank you for the phone call. I, I, I don't think the Brandon administration knows what their policy is with respect to Taiwan and with the respect to crossing China. Because I'm going to play two clips for you here. One is from John Kirby yesterday. This is literally yesterday in response to China's aggressive response, saying that if you play with fire, you will perish in fire, uh, talking about, um, um, oh, I'm sorry, uh, and then releasing and sending out and making go viral these Chinese military, recru- or not recruitment, but military uh, uh, videos, which essentially show off and showcase and feature the military might of the Chinese army and the Chinese military, their navy. And uh, they're doing all of this aggressive stuff, of course, to try to deter the United States from visiting Taiwan, thus essentially respecting Taiwan as, a, as its own um, you know, sovereign nation. And that violates the one China policy. So John Kirby, speaking yesterday about this, declared that we do not support Taiwan's independence, that we do pay uh, you know, uh, our fealty to China and their one China policy. We do not support Taiwan independence. He said those words, listen. And how that might have an impact. Well, the speaker can speak for herself uh, and uh, whatever she wants to say on this trip is really her prerogative that's why it was so important for me in my opening comments kelly to make clear what this administration's policy is with respect to the one china principle one sorry one china policy um as well as um as not wanting to see cross strait uh, tensions uh, resolved by any than other than peaceful means and the fact that we don't support Taiwan independence. It was important for me to lay that down right at the outset. That's You heard him. The fact that we don't support Taiwan independence. And that was important for me to lay that down at the outset. Our policy, that's this administration's approach. I can't speak for what Speaker Pelosi may do or say. So what Kirby said was that literally it is the Brandon administration's policy that we do not support Taiwan independence. Yet it was just two months ago, in May, when Joe Brandon himself was asked a question about this during a press conference, about what our position is as it pertains to Taiwan's independence and China's uh, oppression of the Taiwanese. And listen. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. Did you, did you hear that answer? You're willing to use the U.S. military to defend Taiwan against China? That's what he was asked. To defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. And he said yes. That was two months ago. Yesterday, John Kirby says, we do not support Taiwanese independence. I don't think they, I don't think the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. I don't think the left hand knows where the right foot is stepping. And I don't think the right foot knows that the left foot just got jammed down its throat. In the Brandon administration, there is nothing but rampant chaos. They don't know what their policies are. Pelosi is in a different place than, than Biden. Biden is in a different place from Kirby. Kirby's in a different place, probably from Millie and from, uh, from, uh, um, uh, 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 the defense secretary. 
Um, the, the, I keep wanting to say Lloyd Benson. It's not Lloyd Benson. Uh, <laughs> um, but what we're talking about here is a is an administration that literally doesn't have between its State Department and its uh, Pentagon and its Commander in Chief, not to mention the Party Chief in charge of the uh, House of Representatives, the Speaker Nancy Pelosi, are all in different places on Taiwan policy. And you wonder why Taiwan is is banging the war drums, or excuse me, China is banging the war drums. They're banging the war drums because the United States has never been more vulnerable than they are under this weak, feckless leadership. I'll be back. All right, it's uh, 10.58 now. Just wanted to make this announcement real quick before we get to our top of the hour. As of five minutes ago, Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan. Defying the Chinese threats, their military activity, the repositioning of aircraft carriers in the South China Sea, Pelosi becomes the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan since 1997. Pelosi is conducting an extensive tour of multiple allied nations in Asia, has finally touched down in Taiwan despite repeated threats to the Speaker's safety. Pelosi is the first Speaker to visit Taiwan since Newt Gingrich in 1997, and the Taiwanese government has been eager to host the Speaker. Diplomatic trips at this level could serve to provide Taiwan legitimacy on the world stage. China has issued stern warnings against such a visit in previous weeks, including threats from government officials and TV personalities, and President Biden revealed weeks ago that the U.S. military thinks it's not a good idea right now. Is that last line not exactly what I was saying? They are not on the same page. The Democrat Party is in a state of chaos. When you have weak leadership at the top, it leads to nothing but chaos at the bottom. And that is exactly what we are seeing play out. Weak leadership from Joe Biden has led everybody to go rogue and do their own thing. Those who play with fire will perish by it, said a Chinese readout of the, um, oh, uh, said uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese premier. During a call with Biden, those who play with fire will perish by it. It is hoped that the U.S. will be clear-eyed about this. Well, Nancy Pelosi is now probably drunk-eyed about this through uh, uh, her landing, but uh, she's there. Lord only knows what the uh, pile of little liquor bottles look like at the uh, foot of her seat on that plane. But nonetheless, she's there, and she'll slur her way with Jack Daniels spitting through her polygrip, and she'll say something. And the question is, is what will the Chinese do about it? We'll follow that, and we'll come back right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio. 
with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway now, eight minutes past 11 o'clock. You know, the famous phrase is, the, uh, the eagle has landed. What do you say when Nancy Pelosi lands? <laughs> Pterodactyl? No, that's just mean. That's ageist. Dodo bird? Yeah, I can probably make a case for that. The dodo has landed. Uh, She's in Taiwan, and so far, uh, apparently nobody has uh, fired any rockets. So far, the Chinese have not announced uh, the start of a world war campaign. So far, the Chinese Communist Party is allowing things to stand. So we'll see where it goes. We'll continue to follow this. But, uh, yeah, Nancy and her uh, vodka-soaked uh, sweater is uh, uh, is in Taiwan right now, embarrassing the living daylights out of the United States. We'll keep you posted on that as we continue uh, as details become available to us. It's the second morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. It's Election Day. If you have not yet voted in this primary election, part duh then you need to do it immediately. You have until 7.30 tonight. If you don't know for whom to vote in this extraordinarily important opportunity to reshape and reform the Ohio Republican Party, to get rid of its corrupt leadership, to get rid of its rhinos, to actually restore a transparent, um, constitutionally sound, conservative, policy-driven ORP. And then making those same exact changes at the state house and in the uh, in the Ohio Senate. There's a lot more House seats than there are Senate seats that are up right now, but it's extraordinarily important. And if you don't know for whom to vote, I'll tell you the same thing I opened the show with. I sent somebody who sent me a message an email last night and said, "Bob, I don't know what to do. I want to go tomorrow at one o'clock and cast my vote. I don't know who to vote for. I don't even know what district I'm in." But I know this is important, and this opportunity is extremely important, like I said, because it's going to be so sparsely attended. The turnout's going to be maybe 4 5 6 7% at best. That means every one of these races is going to be decided by dozens or hundreds of votes, not thousands. So every vote is crucial. If they split these primaries because of the shenanigans of Maureen O'Connor and the Ohio Supreme Court and made us have one in May and one in August, then let's take advantage of the chaos. Let's get rid of some of these uh, corrupt rhinos that are in uh, in power, uh, both in the, like I said, in the General Assembly as well as in the ORP, the State Central Committee. So if you don't know, I, somebody emailed me and said, what do I do? I sent them a link that I'll tell you about right now. FindMyDistrict.OhioSOS.gov. FindMyDistrict.OhioSOS, which stands for Secretary of State.gov, G-O-V. And you can find your district. Just put your, your address in there, your physical home address in there. That'll tell you what district you're in. Then you're saying, okay, now I know what district I'm in, but who, I, who do I vote for in the state central committee? Who do I vote for the state state senate? Who do I vote for for the House races? Well, the best answer that I have for you came from Tom Zawistowski, who with whom I spoke yesterday on this program. Tom took essentially kind of a compilation uh, if you will, of endorsements from Ohio's, Northeast Ohio's leading conservative groups, around eight of them. And he used their recommendations and endorsements put, to put together a pretty doggone comprehensive list that, uh, of people that are truly conservative, that are truly going to try to, uh, stand for, as I say, transparency and reform in the Ohio Republican Party to make this red state valuable and not just a red state so we can say, yay, we won the presidency. 
And we won a veto-proof majority in the Ohio State House and in the Ohio Senate, but boy, we don't do squat with it. If you want that list, just go to ohiocitizenspack.org, ohiocitizenspack.org. There you will find endorsed candidates based on that compilation of conservative groups for the Ohio State House, for the Ohio Senate, and for the State Central Committee. This is extremely important. Look at these things. Don't go into the polling uh, 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 place today. Don't go to your precinct or the ballot ballot box today or whatever it is you want to call it blind. Know what you're doing. All right. So that's today, August 2nd. Now I want to talk about something that's happening on August 4th. That, of course, would be Thursday. The West Shore Republicans are hooking up with the Greater Cleveland Young Republicans to throw a candidate night from 7 to 9.30 p.m. And joining us now to tell us a bit about it is Peter Krafsik of Parma Republicans. Peter, good to talk to you again. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How are you doing on this fine Tuesday? I'm good. I'm just hoping that Republicans all over the state are paying attention, and I hope they're going out there and taking advantage of this golden opportunity with very little pushback, because I don't think there's going to be a ton of, of turnout today, a real opportunity to go out and... Uh, and do what's right for the people of this state, the Republicans who put Republicans in power in this state. Absolutely. I think it's been a, the, the tide has turned definitely over the last year with the, you look at the economy, you look at the issue of this country face, and I think we have a fantastic opportunity, and I think a lot of that starts from we need some energy in our local parties, we need some energy in these movements, and we need some youth. And, you know, I, can, I know we spoke a couple of times, and I know, you know, from my personal experience, the youth in Parma really has started a new wave there. And I'm hoping now that we're kicking off our Greater Cleveland Young Republicans again, we've brought that group back together. This event on Thursday, I think, is going to be a real kickstarter for us, and we're really going to be able to push forward from there. Yeah, I think it's a terrific idea, and I so love I agree with you. I, you know, I talk, we've talked about this, and I've talked about it on the show myself. I've talked about it to groups uh, where I've given speeches, you know, and we see a lot of the senior community represented, a lot of the uh, boomer community, a lot in the older Gen X community, which is where I am. Uh, well, the Gen X part, maybe not the older part. Uh, <laughs> but we, 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 have a lot of, we have a lot of participation, but we do. We need to bring in more young people. We need to bring more millennials. We need to bring Gen Z over to the uh you know to the to the true uh party of diversity diversity of thought and ideas uh as well as races and uh uh and and other things so uh, i love the fact that the greater uh, cleveland young republicans are are back and uh and and are co-sponsoring and co-hosting this event tell us uh tell us a little bit more about it where is it i know it's thursday night but where is it and uh, yep. what else do we need to know Yes, it's going to be at Donna Schwaben German uh, German American Center on Columbia Road out in Olmsted Falls. Starts at seven o'clock. We will be having speakers, but it's mostly going to be just one on ones. You know, I think one thing that at least I've noticed over time is I don't think you know, I'm only twenty six. I know I don't want to. I, I'm a political nerd just as much as the rest of us. <laughs> but this is going to be more of a one on one. It's going to be more of a party. Um, it's going to be more of a fun time to get people to come out, get people excited. We're going to have uh, candidates Max Miller, Lee Weingart. Um, I, all of our judicial candidates will be there. Former uh, Trump-appointed ambassador Ed Crawford, he was the ambassador to Ireland. He will be there as well. well. A bunch of other candidates, and I'm completely drawing a blank on it, and I looked at the sheet right before I called, <laughs> too. Um, but the, the point of it is, and I'll, I'll say that, Experience. I know Lucy Stick and somebody who's been a big name in you know Ohio politics for a while and locally up here. She always told me, "You need you know we have to do this 
we have to do it to enjoy. We have to do it to make the lives of the people better, and we also have to do it because it makes it, us, us feel like family. If we're not a family, why are we doing it? And I think, you know, we haven't had a YRs group for a while up here in the county, and I know from being the young one in the county going to these central committee meetings and stuff, we need some youth back in the party. And, you know, when, from running in Parma, I think that youth, the youth and the energy brings a certain dynamic to the party, which is it, we can become more relatable to people. I know from my campaign, just going and sitting at bars and talking to normal people, I, I learned a hell of a lot more about my city than, you know, going to some ladies' guild meeting. I'm not saying you don't need that. Those are incredibly important. Sure, but sure. I think at the same time, we as a party have kind of ignored that for a while, and I'm glad we're starting to get this momentum. You see, there's so many candidates we have today on the on this primary ballot. It is so important to get out and vote today. But I think we see a lot of candidates mm-hmm. on there. I know we have one in Parma who's, who she is running today. Uh, she's a young Republican as well. And I think this is what the party needs moving forward. We need to be a more inclusive party. We need to be one of youth, one of energy, because the future relies on the youth of the party. And if we, you know, you bring up Nancy Pelosi, you know, that's one heck of a distance to travel for a bar crawl if you're looking at her. Um, <laughs> but I, I think... I think we really need that. We need the youth in this part. I think this is going to be a great event to really kickstart it. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, I completely agree. We're talking with uh, Peter Kraftsick. He's with the Palmer Republicans, and we're talking about the West Shore Republicans combining with the Greater Cleveland Young Republicans for an evening with the candidates coming up on Thursday. Uh, tickets are 5 bucks. You get some pizza. You get, well, you got a schnitzel, too, right? You're going to have something German yeah. if you're going to have this at the uh, Donna Schwaben uh, German American Cultural Center, right? There will be plenty of German beer, I promise you that. It's five dollars it's $5 a ticket. I think you're one drink ticket. Um, if you're interested in tickets, it is clevelandyr.com is the website for it. It's clevelandyr.com. If you click on the left-hand side, it'll have a drop-down tab which says RSVP. It'll take you to Eventbrite, and you can pay on there. Or if you'd like to just show on up and pay at the door, you're more than welcome to do that as well. I've got an email on this flyer, too, Peter, that says RSVP to info.gcyr at gmail.com. So um, I, don't know yes. where, I don't know where that goes, but it's another way for you to do it so they get an idea of how many people are coming. RSVP, if you can, to info.gcyr, Greater Cleveland Young Republicans, at gmail.com. And the only thing we got to do that uh, would make this better is get rid of Gmail. We, 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 can't, we can't be patronizing Google like this. Come on. Google doesn't deserve our support. Google cancels us. Google censors what we see, censors what we say, runs YouTube like a like a you know communist dictatorship. We got to get rid of the Gmail. Other than that, everything's okay, right? Oh yeah, we need to we need to dude, we need to start our own companies. What I'm hearing, we need a good uh, email company. Is what I'm hearing. That's about. what I wanted Trump to do. You know, I talked to Trump about that when I interviewed him last June. Uh, you know, I said, you know, we, we need somebody to create a cell phone company so we are not beholden to Apple and Microsoft because they, you know, they cancel us too. They're the ones who killed Parler. I know Parler's back now, but it's a shell of itself. Uh, and and of course, Google. Google wields way too much power in the tech marketplace. I mean, you talk about a, a monopoly. You talk about antitrust uh, issues here. Uh, Google is just such a. It's the major player, in, including especially with search engines, but also with the, uh, their browser and with their Gmail accounts, which they have been found to have been censoring and intentionally sending. Since we're talking about candidates here, Peter, you may or may not know mm-hmm. this, but I'll get your response to it in case you don't. They they were busted some seventy. Five to seventy-eight percent. I found this out with my group, Citizens for Free Speech, <clears throat> of um, 
Uh, emails soliciting financial support from Republican or conservative candidates that were being sent out to mailing lists. In other words, not randomly. These weren't to just, you know, you know, uh, spam mail. These were sent to people who were actually signed up as registered Republicans or what have you. Um, 70 plus percent over the last six months of the um, emails being sent through Gmail to the recipients to request uh, donations and support were automatically rerouted to spam uh, spam boxes so that the recipients would not get them. They literally were trying to stop and continue to try to stop conservative and Republican candidates from connecting with their potential donors to raise money for their campaigns. That is no, how not, evil. I mean, That's how evil Google yeah, really it's is. Not, it's not surprising at all. I mean, I know when I ran, mm-hmm. I would, I did my, I think I did my emails through Mailchimp and. You would get the bounce rate back. You're like, how is it? It was over like 30%. And I'm thinking, I, I mean, I'm, you know, some of these people write chicken scratch when you got those tiny little things, but he's not going to input 30 to 40% of the emails in wrong. You know, heck, I can do a blindfold and I do, but I think what it highlights though, Bob, is I think, you know, I'm only 26 and I mean, it, that stuff drives me up a wall when you see stuff like that. And I think, once you start getting these local young groups together, you know, Greater Cleveland Wires, I know they have the Wires in Ohio in general do a very good job organization-wise. I think what this is going to do is it can we can highlight these issues to the, the youth and we can say, hey, look, these are huge issues that are dealing right now. Because that's wrong. I mean, that is incredibly wrong. Whether that's happening on the Republican side or Democrat side, it's wrong. People should have the free speech exactly. to be able to see if they're signing up for something. You know, if we were doing this, I don't know, just say in a different state, I would, we would we should be saying the same thing, right? The rules should be the same for everybody. Absolutely. We shouldn't be having this, any of this. But I think what it highlights is, you know, we need to really get these young groups start get people energized about it because I'm going to be real. I know my dad's probably listening to this. I'm sorry, dad, but he's not good with IT. He's 60 years old, right? I'm very good with technology. We need the the young people who are good with technology who understand this, who can come up with these ideas to maybe create these companies and to create and to highlight this stuff and find solutions to these problems because that is a massive problem. We are already at a disadvantage because we are playing against these mega corporations that you know you and I. Passion is where I don't think you and I are taking on Google alone. No, you know, we no. need a good, strong group of people. We do, and we need people to reach the young people that have that uh, you know technology uh, um, uh, affinity. I guess is the best way of saying it. Uh, you know, they have the know-how and have the interest and have the ability to fight back against these things. And whether it's create companies or find ways to block and find ways to counter some of these things that they are doing to to censor our speech, to limit our reach, uh, because that's what they're doing. And that is, you know, it's funny. The left likes to call. Uh, you know, almost everything, an attack on democracy. What is more of an attack on democracy than literally trying to and and succeeding at at censoring candidates from reaching their would-be donors and their would-be voters? That's an attack on democracy. That's an attack on the democratic voting process more than anything the left has ever claimed, including their phony insurrection. Oh, absolutely. It's not why, you know, like your introduction when it comes in, it's not why, you know, Christ didn't refuse the cross for a reason and things like that. You know, my, you know, our grandparents didn't storm the beaches. Our grandfathers didn't storm the beaches in Normandy to have this stuff happen. You know, they did. The Mars of history were not fools. They did these things for a reason. And I think we need to kind of wake up and real. And the young generation needs to really wake up and realize that if there are things worth fighting for. And I think Amen. where we are at right now in this country, there are things worth fighting for. I'll say from my experience, I've had plenty of doubts over the last, after my election, you know, I came close to winning. I was like, okay, you know, there's 
it's it sucks. You know, I lost, but you know, life goes on. And you know, I kind of took a step back from it, and then you see all this stuff that's happening in the world, happening in my local community, happening in my state. And you take a moment and you sit back and you think to yourself, okay, you know what? If it's not me, then who's going to be the one to step in and do it? And I think we all need that mentality, especially the youth. We have to have that mentality of we can change it, but we have to be willing to put our neck out there. We have to be willing to put, you know, write a small check that we can to help candidates out. We have to be willing to put our names on the ballot. We have to put our money where our mouth is. If you're passionate about it and you're even contemplating running, do it. I, I was contemplating doing it. It was the best experience I had. Even though I lost, it was still one of the most gratifying experiences of my life. And it's empowered me to be more passionate about what I'm doing. And I'm able to reach our demographic even better, I feel. And, Yep, it's, I, a, it's an incredibly powerful thing, and I really hope that there's people around my age listening right now that they get that message. And you know, it, it's worth running for. It's worth you know the horrible news articles that get written about you online <laughs> and the stupid things people say about you on Facebook. That I'll be honest, I didn't even know about myself. <laughs> well, you're right. It is. It's it's not easy to put yourself through that ringer to put your family and the people you care about through that ringer. But uh, it is extraordinarily important. Uh, for young people today to get more involved, which brings us back to our point here. We got a little bit off uh, on a tangent there uh, talking about Gmail, but um, it's coming up on Thursday, day after tomorrow, West Shore Republicans and Greater Cleveland Young Republicans evening with the candidates. It's open to all tickets for five bucks. You get pizza, snacks, one drink ticket for that as well. Uh, you can get those tickets um, uh, online. What's the site again? <clears throat> uh, it's clevelandyr.com. ClevelandYR.com. It'll be a great time on Thursday at the Donna Schwaben German American Cultural Center in Olmstead Falls. Peter Krafzik, Palmer Republicans, thanks for coming on. Thanks for letting us know, and I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic event on Thursday night. Thanks, Peter. Yep, not a problem. Thanks, Bob. You got it. That's Peter Krafzik joining us on AM 1420. The answer, we'll take a timeout now at 1126, and I've got time for some phone calls. If you want to make them, I'll be uh, more than willing to take them. Nancy Pelosi landed in Taiwan. We'll find out if they considered that an act of war or not. They probably wouldn't have if we'd have sent somebody a little cuter, but we sent Nancy Pelosi. That's probably why they want to fire back at us. We'll be back. They're calling it a WMD in Beijing. They're calling Nancy Pelosi's arrival in uh, Taiwan as a WMD, a weapon of mass drunkenness, arrived in uh, Taiwan. So we'll see what the Chinese response to that is going to be. Let's get a phone call in here from, uh, how about Michael in Wycliffe? Michael, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead. Hello. Hey, good morning, Bob. Yes, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Hey, quick question. The, the so-called bill that Manchin's now supporting that's so-called not going to raise taxes, and there's already been studies saying that it's already it is going to raise taxes. I mean, is, is there anything that the Republicans are even going to do to bring that to the American people's attention? Well, they are. They are. Time? Well, I mean, they are. They're doing interviews, but you know, they don't they don't control the media. That's the thing. They can't. You know what right. I mean? They 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 can't get the media on their side. They can't get NBC, CBS, and ABC and CNN to say, you know, uh, what the Democrats saying is a lie. It actually is, according to every study that's been done on this bill, including by nonpartisan agencies, it will raise, uh, it will increase inflation slightly. It will not decrease inflation, and it will raise taxes on Americans who make less than $400,000 a year, breaking a Biden's, Biden promise. 
So all they can do, Michael, is 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 anybody who will give them a microphone, which is typically programs like mine or programs like those on Salem and maybe Fox News and OAN and Newsmax, is get out there and say it. But the problem is we're we're speaking into an echo chamber. You know it already. I know it already. Well, getting getting middle class or challenging them. Getting getting central. About, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, how about them challenging the Democrats on the floor itself and said, "Let's sit down." And discuss this bill. Is it good or is it not good? They Does did that. Do what it says. They did you know. that. They did that before the vote. They did that, and they and they'll continue to complain about it. But again, who hears it? That's the issue. Yeah. You'll hear it, and I'll hear it because we're listening to right. those individuals. Right. But uh, you know, centrist Americans or the you know the, the you know the moderate Americans, the people who need to hear the truth here, they're not going to hear it because they're the ones who are watching you know ABC and NBC and saying that's real news. Um, and they don't, uh, they, they don't get the reality of it. But I share your frustration, my friend. I really do. Appreciate the call. More calls coming up right after this. Always Ray Radio. of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France of The Answer. Ain't but two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. Indeed. As we continue on AM 1420, The Answer now at 1138. I was just updating the webpage, the alwaysright.us webpage, and um, I did. a lot of times I'll just let the headlines of the stories that I share speak for themselves. A lot of times I'll change the headlines, and sometimes I just have a little bit too much fun with them, which is what I was just doing. As I said, breaking, WMD arrives in Taiwan. WMD, weapon of mass drunkenness, and uh, waiting Chinese response. Then I had to share the story about the uh, military not reaching its recruiting goals because nobody wants to go and join America's woke military. Nobody wants to wear a pride flag instead of an American flag. Nobody wants to be uh, changing with the people of the opposite sex and, and the whole nine yards. The recruiting goals are just being you know decimated. They, they're at 40% of goal. 40! That means they're 60% below, and it's now August. This is crazy. So I just had to change the headline, and the headline um, of that particular story is because... I told you the story earlier in case you didn't hear it, but the headline is now Desperate Woke Military Turns to the Fat Kids. They are literally starting a fat camp. The U.S. Army is starting a fat camp so that they can try to find somebody to join this military. Previously, they would not take the overweight and out of shape and uh, less than, let's just say, uh, mentally uh, adept uh, people into the military. Now they're lowering the academic requirements and they are allowing those who are physically not prepared to join their fat camp so that they can then join after that. So that's where we are in terms of our military. So Crazy Nancy is indeed on the ground in Taiwan, and she has made a statement. Her statement essentially says, don't mind me, I'm not causing any trouble here, but I had to do this now. And she did. To the point, she did. After being threatened by the Chinese Communist Party that if you come here, we're going to kill you, essentially, not you meaning Pelosi, but America, We can't be pushed around by the Chinese on the world stage. She had to go. So she's there now, and she went there, and she immediately made a statement saying, don't mind me, I'm not really here to cause any trouble. I just kind of had to do this now. Quote, our visit is one of several congressional delegations to Taiwan, and it is in no way 
or excuse me, and it in no way contradicts longstanding U.S. policy guided by the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, U.S.-China joint communiques and six assurances, uh, Pelosi said in a statement after arrival. The U.S. continues to, to oppose unilateral efforts to change the status quo. So in other words, we still believe in the one-China policy. We're not here to cause any problems, but you know, you can't tell me not to come and then expect me not to come because our entire country looks weak. That's why she's there. All right, a couple of uh, quickies here. Joe is in uh, where? Westlake. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. Kirsten Hill for State Senate and Lorraine and surrounding counties. Incredible patriots since the time of the Tea Party days. Hosted many important conferences during the worst times of the pandemic. KirstenHill.com for State Senate. Stephanie Stock for State Central Committee. Her name speaks for herself. She's a nationwide leader against the terrible shot tyranny. James Blake for State Central Committee. Uh, Ashland, Richland, Medina County is a great patriot, also against the terrible medical tyranny. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, and I concur, by the way, on uh, Kirsten Hill. I concur on Stephanie Stock and, and many others as well. By the way, I got it. I'm glad you said that because I got a text message from Stephanie Stock yesterday and I kind of forgot to share it. Uh, she wanted to... Um, ask if I would send people to these election guides, including at ohioamf.org slash elections, ohioamf, that's Americans for Medical Freedom, uh, .org slash elections, and also find your House and Senate districts and under the new maps at ohiosos.gov. I was giving that out already, too. Uh, She also said, would you please remind listeners to go to the website and click the election tab to download the House, Senate, and State Central Committee Medical Freedom Voter Guides. So, Stephanie, glad to do that. I'm sending people to a lot of websites now, and I know it gets confusing, but there's a lot of stuff going on that we really do need to pay attention to, so that's just the reality of it. Chuck is in uh, Cleveland. Hi, Chuck. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Uh, you know that this new uh, Bureau of the Post Office they're having coming up right now, right? Yeah, the one for elections. We don't, they, well, yeah, well, come midterms, they don't have to worry about stuff in ballot boxes anymore. They just deliver it right to the post office. Well, that's actually better. That that's actually better because the ballot boxes were unmanned. They were unmonitored, and that's the reason why they got away with stuffing them. If you have to actually deliver something to the mail one ballot at a time where it's monitored, that's actually a little bit safer. Well, we'll, we'll just have somebody from the DOJ or the FBI stand near guard, you know, because they're a reputable organization. Well, I got, too, a, right? I got a better idea, though, Chuck. How about just stop this mail-in nonsense to begin with and tell everybody to go get in line and vote like we did for hundreds of years? That's what I think we ought to do. One day, one, one, one way to vote, get in line at your precinct and go cast your vote. No more, Unless you're, of course, in the service or if you're living out of state in college and so forth, there's a reason for absentee ballots. But only those requested absentee ballots are, should be voting through the mail. Everybody else should be in person on Election Day, period. We've done it for hundreds of years. There's no reason, at least 200 years, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to continue that. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to take this last call, am I? No, I'm running out of time. I apologize. I was going to try to squeeze one more in before the bottom, uh, before the end of the show, but I am out of time. Last message I will give you as we sign off. If you don't know your district to go vote today, Find out. Go to the Secretary of State's website, findmydistrict.ohiosos.gov. And if you don't know who to vote for, my recommendations, go to ohiocitizenspack.org. But make sure you get out there and vote. It's a huge day.
Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon.